When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. Today, I'll be talking with Marielle Melling, who is the founder of Loving Life with Littles. She's also the author of two books, Peace Admits the Mayhem, and also Mama to Five. She talks about self-care and family routines and things to keep our family life moving. And I am curious also to hear how she has taken her perspective and used it during this time of quarantine and COVID-19 and just life sort of being put in a blender. So I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Marielle Melling. Hi, Marielle. Thanks so much for talking to me today on The Family Brain. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I'd love to hear just a little bit about your background. I've read a little bit about what that you're the founder of Loving Life with Littles. Can you tell me a little bit about what got you to start this, this group or organization? So I... It was a pretty crazy time in my life. I was working four part-time jobs. We had four kids and then five and my husband was working really crazy, crazy hours away from home. And then on top of that, we had um, some other family challenges. And in the middle of that, I realized I am feeling like a lot of peace right now. <laughs> and I thought, that's crazy. And I started looking into, you know, where does peace come from? And how can we have this in the midst of like this crazy mom life that I was living? And I realized that I really wanted to help others find that. So um, I do that with my website, Love and Life with Littles. I've written a book, Peace Amidst the Mayhem. And then I work with uh, mostly moms in small groups and one-on-one coaching and things like that. So it, it caught you by surprise that you felt yeah. this peace, dis- like despite the busyness of your life. I mean, yeah. how did you even have time to notice that you had peace? Like, with right. this busyness? <laughs> isn't that crazy? I think part of it is that I have been surrounded by people in my life. My mom, for one, she raised six kids and we had others in our home all the time and things like that. But she was somebody who was happy and who enjoyed motherhood. And yet I have seen and felt so many people who have felt 
unfulfilled in motherhood or who have felt that it is just crazy. And I think there's almost a, a theme maybe in motherhood right now that things have to be crazy if you're doing it right. And I think it did. It just kind of, it caught me by surprise. And it started because I, or I guess the, the big realization came because I felt this urge to write a book. And I had all these bits and pieces and ideas of what I knew I had been learning and what I wanted to include. And I, I was like, what brings these all together? And it was this. It was that these habits, that these routines, that these things that people were like, yeah, you've got to do this. And then when I did it, I was like, oh, it, it does work, mm. right? Like, <laughs> Yes. Well, and it's interesting. It's been interesting for me during this COVID-19 quarantine type time because for my podcast, I talk to all kinds of people about peace and um, reducing anxiety. And, you know, if you're yes. not feeling those things, you can listen and not really care. <laughs> you know, you can be like, oh, that's cute. Meditate. You can, you know, but then once you start to feel the anxiety, you're like, hold on, what did, what did they say? And you, yeah. really, you take it more seriously. So it, I mean, it, it's been interesting to me to see how I have leaned on some of the things I've learned that I wasn't really leaning on before I had the, the feelings. Um, right. so it's, it, it gives me a deeper level of appreciation for people like you who are putting this out there so that when someone needs it, it's there. Right. And that's the hope is because during our lives, we do have different needs, right? We go through different seasons and we have different challenges, whether it's from, you know, just life experiences or age or the stage of our family and, being aware that there are tools and that there are, you know, things to try at least, right? <laughs> that, that I'm a profound believer that even when life is hard, and I've been in those moments where things have been really hard and, and there are a lot of tears and questions, but at the end of the day, in those times, we can still find joy. So what are some of the things that you recommend to people? What is the, I mean, obviously buy the book, but yeah, what, are well. some of the, what are some of the, um, the things that y- you think people can reach for pretty easily? Great. So I, one, one, I guess, habit that I suggest everybody have is a personal quiet time every day. And when you set that time aside, it gives you a couple things. One, it gives you a chance to recharge and reset and look at your priorities and set goals for the day and all those kinds of things. It also is very confidence building because as I mentioned, like our our stages are always changing and what we need is always changing. But if we have that space set aside in life, we can use that to learn whatever it is we need in that time. And we've carved out the opportunity to say, hey, you know, just like doctors, and teachers and everybody else has this continuing education. We need that in life, right? We need that for personal development and for parenting and everything else. So when we carve out this space and then we say, hey, I'm open to what I need in this time. And then we can use that time to do some of those things that are like that science says, hey, these are awesome, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's meditating, praying, you know, reading inspiring words, be it scripture or other, you know, authors that have high ideals that you're learning from at the time, practicing gratitude, um, all these kinds of things. When we put it in our day every day, it gives us this chance to really center on what matters and then also learn and, and grow in whatever we need at that time. Yeah. 
one of the other ones that I've realized for myself lately, I was just telling my sister about this, that I always thought I needed to like work out like hard if it was going to be worth my time. And I really, during this quarantine time have really enjoyed walking and I'm like, Oh, people have been telling me this for a long time. (laughs) All you have to do is just walk a little bit and it feels really good. It's very, um, so it's, it's fun the things you stumble upon that you're like, oh, this has been here all along, but I just was making it maybe a little harder than I needed to. Yeah, definitely. And I think like exercise is another one of those that the benefits are so far reaching. I call these like high bang for our buck self-care options, right? <laughs> like exercise is one of those that when you look at studies, it has effects as good as antidepressants for a lot of people, right? And sometimes they're longer lasting. So finding a way to move and it doesn't have to be, I think sometimes we get these like what it should be ideas, right? Like, oh, I have to go to the gym and now that the gym's closed, I can't do anything. Or I have this much going on and so I don't have an hour a day. Well, don't spend an hour a day then, right? Spend 15 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is. You can sweat at least I can in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So oh, I can sweat finding, laundry. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But making it a, a priority really just to make it happen. Yeah. And then, and then it does. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love that idea of carving out quiet time, especially I feel like with little kids where all of a sudden it feels like your day is rolling before you even know it. And I like that idea of setting intentions. I don't do it regularly, but when I do, it feels so good. It feels like maybe like we have more control than we might allow ourselves to recognize sometimes, you know, I mean, even in the midst of chaos, there are choices I can make. Yes. And I love that too, because it allows us like when we have those intentions to come back to it throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So when I have a a moment when I'm like getting overwhelmed or I'm getting frustrated with the kids or things in work aren't going how I hoped or whatever it might be when that emotion starts to rise, I have this little pattern. It's just a mindfulness method, really. Stop, deep breathe, Mm -hmm. right? And that alone will calm, take your brain out of the fight or flight. And in that deep breathing, just feel what you're feeling studies over and over, like, you know, that's when we suppress, it gets messier. Mm-hmm. So fill what you're feeling and then go back to that intention. And my mom always says, but stands for bottom underlying truth. And so in my head, I always say, I'm, I am feeling frustrated or I am feeling whatever that is, but the bottom underlying truth is, and this is what I want to move forward. And it's mm-hmm. usually, but I love my kids. And so I'm going to choose to have patience or, you know, but I, I'm more concerned about how we treat each other than whether the house is spotless. So I'm going to focus on that instead of the Legos on the floor or whatever it might be. Right. But being able to come back to that intention throughout the day is super helpful. I love that. Well, and one of the guests I had on the show before, um, has a program called Celebrate Calm. And I've had this person a few times and, um, what I love about it that was such a mental shift for me is just, you can't control what other people are going to do. You can only control yourself and everything else flows from that. And I mean, when you say it out loud, it's like, duh, of course. Yes. But, (laughs) but moment to moment, that's not how I was operating. I was operating on if everyone else would just behave, then I could behave. You know what I mean? And it's, you got to kind of flip the, the script a little bit in a way that might not feel that comfortable all the time. Yeah, definitely. And I think it is scary to almost say I have 
I have control over this. It's mm-hmm. almost easier to put it on somebody else's shoulders, yes. right? I love Viktor Frankl. Have you read Man's Search for Meaning? No, I have not. I, I would love to one. say that I have, but I have not. Uh, no, it, it's okay. I mean, I've heard of it. I will tell, I'll tell you this one part, okay. but he talks about, he is a psychiatrist and a survivor of concentration camps. And he draws a lot of, from his experiences and then connecting it to his work in psychiatry. But one thing that he talks about is, you know, we were under these intense situations where we had, you know, guards like telling us what to do all the time, right? They're in prison life. And he said, you might think in prison life that you don't have freedoms. But he said, and this is, of course, a paraphrase, we all saw the men who walked around and gave away their last piece of bread. And he says, in any situation, everything can be taken from you except our, our choice, mm. how we react in situations. Yeah. And I love that because I think, dude, my home can be crazy, but it's not a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And if they could learn that and live that there, that is inspiring to me to be able yes. to live it in my my situation. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And to sort of reframe whatever, I mean, whatever's going on into something, it, there, there's something going around right now. I don't know if you've seen it. It's this concept of um, toxic positivity. Have you mm. seen that? Mm. And it's interesting because I get it. I get that you don't want to be so everything's great, you know, to the point where people don't feel seen or heard. Mm-hmm. And There also is an element where if you can shift the frame a little bit and look at it from a little bit of a different perspective, maybe it gives you more compassion for yourself, more compassion for someone else. And so it's an interesting concept. And like I said, I get it, but I feel like it can, both things can be true. You can, you can reframe something and work at looking at it in a different way and not deny somebody's experience or deny your own experience, you know, like, Yeah. yeah, this is hard and you know. Yes. This other thing is true too. Yeah. I think sometimes it's easier for us to sit in a place of one or the other, mm-hmm. right? That like we want to be able to classify and we want to be able to say, oh, it's easy because it's hard or it's easy because it's only positive or whatever. But I think right. you said you nailed it. It's that and, yes. right? Life is full of ands. When I talk to moms about self-care, it's like, well, I'm, I'm practicing self-care and I feel guilty because it's at the expense of others. I'm like, no, it's not. It's an and, mm-hmm. right? Like self-care is good for us and those around us, right? This experience in life is hard and there are things to be grateful for. And I, that toxic positivity, I think is, uh, it, I, I agree with what you said, right? That it can go either way with whether we are only focusing on the positive and ignoring what the reality is. But then there's also the proclivity to only focus on the negative and neither one is really healthy. Right, yeah. What, so um, I know you talk a lot about self-care and one of the things I was curious about is you were saying that there were some um, myths about self-care of of what it looks like or what it, what it is. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. I usually talk about the top three. Okay. When I talk to moms, they, the hardest things for them about self-care usually fall under one of these three things. So the first one is that myth number one is that self-care is bubble baths and massages. And it's just the idea that, you know, self-care is a list of things we should or shouldn't do. But the truth is that self-care is a mindset. And it's particularly a mindset that believes three things. Believes, number one, I am a human with real needs in order to be healthy and happy, right? That we're not just making up the need for sleep, that Mm -hmm. we're not just 
you know, making up the need for human connection. It's true though, like, right, that moms sometimes convince themselves, well, I don't need that. You do. Yeah, 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 you do. We do. Yeah, so it's believing that. The second belief is that I'm primarily responsible for my own health and happiness, Mm. that that doesn't lie on somebody else and that we are here to help each other. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the decisions that I have to make day in and day out in order to be healthy and happy. And then number three is that I am worthy of health and happiness. Mm -hmm. And so when we hold those three beliefs, that is the mindset where we are ready to really take care of ourselves. And then it becomes not a matter of, you know, you've got to do this. And if you're not doing that, well, just do it because it's self-care and all of those, like, you know, the checklist again, instead it is meeting our needs and it's recognizing it's a matter of health and happiness. Mm -hmm. So that's the first one. The second one is I don't have time for self-care and I could talk about this forever. Um, Time is simply an expression of priorities, right? That's the truth. So we don't have time because we don't choose to have time. And it sometimes can be hard when we are in the moment and everything that we are doing feels vital. It's hard to step back and to say, you know what? It's not, everything is not as important as everything else. Some things are more important than other things. And the easiest way for me to do that in my life is to say, okay, I'm going to choose the top three things or the top five things. I remember when I had my third baby and he spent some time in the NICU. I had just gotten him home and I was talking to my mom after she had left. She had been there helping and then she left and she's like, how are you doing? And I said, you know what? I found the key to being a really good mom. She's like, oh, what is it? I was like, have a really short to-do list. Mm-hmm. And we laughed. I was just basically saying like, I can't get anything done, mm-hmm. but that's the truth, yeah. right? There are different stages. <laughs> there are different times and we can fill our to-do list with a thousand things and really never get it done. But if you can pick the top three for the day, make that your priority and, and be content. Like if everything else doesn't get done, you're going to survive the laundry. You're going to survive, right? Like being able to say, yeah, some things are more important than others. So that's the first with making time for it. And then another thing I think is really helpful for us to understand is that self-care doesn't mean alone time. Sometimes it is. And like I said, I really, I really suggest a little bit of alone time every day to have that, but we can also be taking care of ourselves while we're taking care of others. And whether it's pushing a kid in a stroller or, you know, some self-care doesn't take any extra time at all. Some of the best self-care practices are a self-talk that is affirming of our Mm self-worth. And that's just something we choose to do throughout the day, right? Or practicing gratitude. Some of those things that that don't take any extra time and that we do while we're taking care of others. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing on the time is that not all self-care is created equal. So, um, you know, for some people... I know vegging in front of a TV is, is super restorative and restful and rest is one of those human needs. So if you are feeling super restorative and restful from watching TV, then that's fine. For some people, it's just a means of checking out mm-hmm. or a means of escape. Yeah. So it's, it's a matter of like trial and error, right? To find what for you actually meets your needs and does it to the best way possible so that you can be really intentional with your time and say, Hey, I'm I'm choosing to spend my time in this way because I, it's good for my health and happiness and therefore my family. Yeah. And it, it, what I love about that is that it takes into account differences in human experience and that not everybody's going to do it the same way. It's not going to look the same for everyone. 
and it takes a certain level of, um, like, like you said, valuing yourself, like nothing's broken. It's just like, this is what works for you. And that might be different for your friend or your parent or your child. Um, and I think if it comes from a place of valuing yourself, it's much easier to see what helps and what works instead of seeing it as like something that needs to be fixed. Yes. And I think that mindset is the big part of that, right? That I'm worthy of this health and happiness. Yeah. And then uh, along with that is the needs. So our human needs are pretty universal, right? We all have the need for nutrition in order to be healthy, right? We have the needs for nutrition. We have the need for human connection. We have the need for uh, purpose, for play, just having fun. But the ways to fulfill those needs are limitless. And so that's where there's so much variety in what women can try and what we can do and the ways that we can fulfill those needs. And that's, it's going to be different and look different for each person and even for ourselves in different stages of life. What do you think gets in the way of women feeling like they are worthy of this? Yeah, that's a great question. I, part of it, I believe, is an innate sense that we have to do something in order to earn love. And I know for me, the foundation of my self-worth comes from believing in a God who loves me no matter what, who believes me, loves me with all my faults, with all my mistakes, and that I don't have to do anything to earn that. And I feel that that is when we feel when we really think that and feel that about ourselves, we're able then to extend that to other people too. And we have this sense where human worth is innate. And that's just something that we have to both accept, like we just choose to believe it and then lean into it and Mm -hmm. practice believing it and practice affirming it with what we think and what we say and how we treat ourselves and other people. Yeah. I think that this election cycle has brought out a lot of special characteristics in all of us. And um, one of the things that that is one of the things I keep returning to is that I, the more... um, like solid, I guess I feel with myself, the more I'm able to extend that compassion to someone else. But when I'm feeling unstable and not taking care of feeling grounded and centered and just whatever that is worthy, worthy of of time and attention, then it's harder for me to extend that compassion to other people. And so it's almost like a, um, like a warning sign, like a red flag, you know, like, okay, you are not extending very much compassion. Like, what do you need to do to get yourself feeling better so that that is a possibility again? Yes. You know, it's, yes. it's been very interesting to, I keep saying like, okay, I've got all my lessons. I've learned a lot. Like, we're good. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Let me be done. Yeah, yeah. Move on. Close for, for yeah. business. I think that, that that actually like goes super well into the third myth. And that is that self-care is selfish, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times women I'll ask, okay, tell me why is self-care hard for you? And it's, I feel guilty. And usually what they say is, I know I should, but I feel guilty. So, I mean, listen to that. I know I should, I'm feeling guilty because I'm not doing it. But when I do it, I feel guilty. I mean, that's an awful place to be in, right? Guilty if we do and guilty if we don't. <laughs> and so what I like to say is, Let's look at number one, what is, what is selfish? Like, are we really practicing self-care at the expense of other people? Is it hurting other people for me to take care of myself and for me to be healthy? Um, is it like my children? Like if, 
for me to be away from my children for half an hour or for an hour or even for a weekend away or whatever it is, is that hurting them? It's actually healthy for them, right? To have experiences with multiple safe caregivers. It's healthy for them to learn independent play. It's healthy for them to learn that they don't have to have everything that they want right when they have, right when they want it. So that's like one side of it is to see, yeah, it's not really selfish. The other side of it is to say, what is it doing for other people? And this is, I think, exactly what you were saying here is that when I am in a position where I am healthy, where I am whole on the inside, that allows me to bring my best energy, most compassion to the people around me. And whether it's in my home or my neighbor or my workplace, like that is the best me that can show up for the world. Yeah. And the second thing that it allows other people to do is it says, these things that I believe about myself, I believe them about you too. I believe that you, you know, have real needs mm -hmm. that when you're reaching out for help, that's a real thing. That's not something that you should just brush away. I believe that you like I, I empower you, you are responsible for your own health and happiness. And you can make these choices that will help, whether it is reaching out for help mm -hmm. or making the time or whatever it might be, you can do that. Yeah. And then most importantly, I believe that you are worthy of those things, right? I believe that you are worthy of, of health and happiness and joy, those things. Yeah, I love that. So do you see individual clients or are, do you do coaching or do you mostly spread this message through your writing? It's an and. Above. And, yeah. and, 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 yeah. So yeah. you still have four part-time jobs. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's all one umbrella all, now, yes. but yes. <laughs> so how do people reach out to find out more? What does the typical process look like when you're working with people? Yeah, so most, my website is the hub. That's where you can find all of the information and really get in contact with me. You can find out about coaching opportunities, small group, um, all virtual events right now, of course. So that my website is love and life with littles, www.lovin life with littles. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at that same handle. What, um, how has that experience been doing it through zoom? Have you found that people or zoom or whatever recording you, yeah, and zoom? How has that experience been? Has it made it easier for people to connect? Are there things that you miss in that process or what's, what's that experience? Yeah. Been like? So the, I, I have only started doing, I guess, officially with virtual. Okay. So my, before I've done a lot with women and groups and, you know, teaching and all of those kinds of things, but not in a official coaching capacity, more as a community teacher type situation. And my experience with the Zoom is actually really great. It allows us to, I mean, it's more convenient for one, you don't have to get a babysitter a lot of times. You don't have to, you know, it's not as large of a commitment. And the time that you are spending is 100% uh, devoted to the cause. You don't have any of that travel time and parking time and getting ready time and all that kind of thing. So it's, I, I find it really beneficial, honestly. Yes. Yeah. I have a um, online therapy practice and I found it to be the same thing. Is it just, mm -hmm. I almost think that people seem quicker to open up because they're already in the comfort of their own space. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not like feeling mm -hmm. out a, a, a weird room that's not familiar. Yeah. And um, it's really been a gift, I think, in terms of connecting people in this strange time. And hopefully it'll continue to be a yes. way for people to connect like this. And I think human touch is important. I don't, that's not going anywhere. I think we're still going to need that and it will come back 
you know, in more full force. Uh, but I love that we have this tool now too. Yeah. We can implement it. So. Yeah. I love it. So what are some of the things that you do for your own self-care? Like what's the, what's at the top of your list in terms of what keeps you running and feeling good? Yeah. So I, I am a big, like I said, the, the personal quiet time is, is a given for me. And I have, like I mentioned, I have five kids. And so that has happened in different ways at different stages. (laughs) You know, some people are like, well, just wake up early and do it every morning. Sometimes that works. But when the only time you have with your husband is between, you know, midnight and one in the morning, it doesn't work to get up at five in the morning or, you know, if kids are waking up at five, then so there are lots of strategies to make it happen. Sometimes I have gotten up in the morning. Sometimes it's been the first nap time. Sometimes it's been right after I put the kids to bed, but that's, that's a non-negotiable for me is that personal quiet time. And then um, another one for me is exercise being and that's looked again different. You know, when I was in college, I ran marathons and with three kids, we did a triathlon. And these days it is about 15 minutes a day. <laughs> We're still moving. <laughs> but isn't it nice? I think this is one of the things that I've appreciated about getting older is I feel like my mind is more flexible to what works, you know, that, that it's like, oh, and that feels good too. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes actually feels great. You know, yeah. it feels much better than zero. And yes. just kind of um, having a little bit more of that flexible mindset is so helpful for me because I did not come into this world with a flexible mindset. I feel like I was like <laughs> very rigid and like over time have tried to like ease up on myself a little bit. Um, yes. So I love encouraging like the experimental mindset too, where sometimes it's really hard to get motivated to make a lifelong change. But if I say, hey, I'm going to try this for two weeks, that's pretty easy, right? That feels a lot more doable. And so if there's something that you are trying, whether it's a new mindset or a new habit or whatever it is that you want to try, say, hey, I'm going to do it for two weeks and then see and be willing to put full effort in for two weeks and then be reflective afterwards and say, hey, you know what? That was, that was really great. Or yeah, that wasn't such a good use of my time but then it's only two weeks and we spend a lot of time like that really can bump us out of this decision paralysis that sometimes can keep us stuck from progressing. Yes. Yeah. What, who are the people that you like to follow? Like that, that you love to read what they write or resources that you point to that you're like, Oh, if you want to know more, check this person out. I, I don't really have one. That's probably bad, but I, I am one. I love reading everybody and everything. And I love um, pulling from a really a variety of sources. I love connecting the science and the research and the spiritual side of things and the self-help side of things. And so I think if I, it depends on what the, I don't know. I don't have a good answer to be honest. That's okay. I'm very eclectic. No, so am I. I. I was as I was asking you that question, I was like, I hope nobody ever asked. Yeah, me who would you, can I ask you? Who would you say? <laughs> well, people are like, what's your favorite book or what's your favorite? Oh, that's novel? such a hard question. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what I just read, but I. Yeah, there you, you know. go. <laughs> um, no, so that was a that was a tough one, um, and it is funny because I find myself. So I've been putting together a website for myself, and it has resources, and I'm like, I like everything. I'm like, yes. does this work? Does that work? I don't know. I mean. <laughs> So I just put some things in there and it, I figure I'll just keep adding to it. But it's kind of fun to think about who has influenced me. And I am a big Brene Brown fan. So she would probably yeah. be my first, you know, but, um, 
but yeah, I, it's fun to think about just the people who have kind of like shown up at different points in your life that have added to the process of, of it all. Yeah. And I think that's how it works for me too, is that I will, like I said, I'm super eclectic. And so it'll be, you know, I have a specific need and I'll find exactly what I need for that moment. You know, and I can remember, I was like, for example, going through um, kind of a harder stage after miscarriage and not getting pregnant and um, other life things and things like that. And my sister-in-law gifted me a book. And within the book, there was one chapter on consecrated waiting and learning how to use our waiting time for good. Mm. And that chapter, I mean, that was like a mantra for my life, right? For that year, <laughs> but like even in the waiting, there's good, good that can be done and learning that can be done while we wait for whatever it is we're working toward. And I think that that's how life works for me, right? That there is like Brene Brown, like when you're struggling with perfectionism or a shame issue, like she's going to be an awesome one to go to. Mm-hmm. And um, I think just being open, maybe open-hearted yeah. to asking people or paying attention to, you know, what is being sent your way and saying, Hey, that is what I needed today. Yeah. I noticed there's this one woman that I follow on Facebook and she often on any topic, like, Hey, I'm looking for a new sweatshirt. What do you, what recommendations do you have? And a hundred people will talk about what they're fit. And it's kind of fun to read. And in the same way, like, Hey, I'm struggling with anxiety. Like what are your favorite resources or whatever? And it's kind of fun to hear what comes out and what is out there that maybe you just didn't know was available. Yes. I love that crowdsourcing. Even today, my Instagram question is, you know, what are, what's one of your favorite service ideas for the holidays? Oh yeah. Because I love just like, pulling from everybody else. And I think having that idea that we don't have to have all the answers mm-hmm. is so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> right? I we don't have to know everything. We don't, know. Yeah. And I was like, I think I need a sweatshirt. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Willingness to learn. So where are you based out of? Where's your home? So we have actually moved around a lot. Okay. We have been all over. We are currently in Oregon. Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I wasn't. At, at, after I asked, I was like, I don't mean, I didn't want to sound like a stalker. Where are you? Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, we've been all over. We have, we've had some cool experiences. We've been able to be, I'm from Seattle originally. My husband's okay. from Idaho originally. And then we've done big city living, Chicago, Buffalo. We went overseas for a year and a half, lived on an island, and we're now rural. We So anyway, great, great to really meet people all over the world. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's fun for me. We have moved a little bit, not not that much, but it's fun for me to see how the kids, um, what they learn and even the difficulty of it, because it's hard to say goodbye to people and have to start for me, hard for me too. But it's really been neat as the kids have gotten older to see just how it strengthens them in certain ways. And that's not always easy to see in that harder part. Yeah. Um, anyway. Definitely. I, I hope that it's helping them build uh, resilience and, and really bonding as a family, right? Because everywhere we go, that's the constant. Right. So there's good things to take from it. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Was there anything that you were hoping you would be able to talk about that I have not asked you about? That's a fun question. I, I don't know. I could talk about any of these things forever, but I love what we got to cover today. So I think we're good. Awesome. Well, I remind everybody again where they can find out more about you. 
Yes, www.lovinglifewithlittles.com. And then the same on Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. So fun. I am more active on Instagram. Facebook is like a, I'm there once in a while, but if you really want to interact, Instagram is better. Okay. I'm finding that too. Facebook is good for like, here's a picture of my kids for my family, but Instagram mm-hmm. feels like more interactive businesses. And I don't know, it just has a better pace. I don't know how. Yeah. To I appreciate the platform, the interaction more, but yeah. I don't well, know. I get sucked into Facebook. That's probably my problem. It's like, oh, I got to read that article. Oh, like that article. <laughs> right. Right. No, I, I know what you mean. Um, well, thank you so much for taking your time. And I love your positive energy. I feel like it, it's gotten me excited about kind of getting back to some of these practices that I know are good for me and I don't, do, yeah. you know, so I appreciate Great. that encouragement. Well, thank you, Megan, very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the family brain if you'd like to learn more about the podcast you can check out our website familybrainpodcast.com you can also learn more about my therapy practice from megangibson.com or megan.gibson.therapist on instagram we also have a facebook group for the podcast called the family brain on facebook so check us out there it's fun to get connected with listeners thanks for listening This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.